So my father is uh, black, born and raised in Tuskegee, Alabama, just outside of Tuskegee, actually, mm -hmm. but went to Tuskegee Institute and so came up in right in the midst of Jim Crow. And my mom is from Edinburgh, Scotland, the daughter of a socialist. And so growing up, conversations in race of race and class were sort of front and center almost on a daily basis in one form or another. I always say I come by the work I do today pretty honestly. My father's uncle, my great uncle James, was actually part of the Tuskegee experiments. Mm. And so uh, as a teenager, there was a class action settlement. My uncle, my great uncle and his, his wife never had kids. And so we received a check. And it was split up amongst family. And so we got a check for a little over $30 oh with a, a, an apology from the federal government. Wow. And uh, as a kid, I remember my father said they didn't provide him with adequate care. And my mom said they killed him. And I think that that moment in my life was both one of having a sort of more personal understanding of what race meant. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think interestingly, even though as a kid had no way of sort of putting this in words, it really did give me an understanding of the way in which race plays out institutionally and structurally, that this wasn't just an, an act of a bad individual, this was the right. government participating in a project that actually was affecting people's lives. Right, right. Yeah. So let me talk about just how you then decided to move inside of government to do some of the work. <laughs> like, what, what led you to that uh, stuff? I was looking for a job. Okay. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, <clears throat> a, I, I had moved uh, to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And um, I did not imagine myself working in government. Um, like many folks, I think I shared a deep skepticism of the role of government, uh, what was possible in government. But I was looking for work, uh, and I thought that it would be a short-term uh, layover for me and that I might find out some new things. And 14 years later, I was still there. Wow, yeah. wow. Um, and you started in the neighborhood department, yeah, and you were working yeah. in southeast South yeah. Seattle. Can I say a little about just what you did with community residents and how you engage them or how you yeah. interacted with them there? Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it ended up being the most profound work experience of my adult life, working for the Department of Neighborhoods. And Southeast Seattle is the most diverse neighborhood in the city. It's 80% people of color. It's about 40% immigrant and refugee. More than half the folks in the community are poor or low income. And that work at its core, the job I was holding was really playing this liaison role between the city of Seattle and that community. So a lot of my uh, early work with the city was really about engaging communities that have historically not participated in government for a whole slew of reasons from trust to thinking about language barriers, you, you name it, right? So that eventually transitioned. What ended up happening was that the community in early 2000s decided to really push the city on addressing specifically issues of racial equity and uh, literally showed up to political debates between the mayoral candidates and simply kept asking questions about race. Great. You're right, we need more transit. What does that mean in terms of racial equity? And the candidates initially really stumbled, but over the course of the campaign, they got better at it because uh -huh. <laughs> the questions kept, kept coming. And right. uh, what came out of it was ultimately the, the mayor who was elected came into office and uh, very honestly said, I'm a white guy. I really have no understanding of these issues. 
but I know there's a problem in our community. And I know that it's affecting us as a city, and we need to do something about it. Uh, and what came out of it was the Race and Social Justice Initiative for the city of Seattle. So you went on to become the manager of this new initiative, a groundbreaking effort. Can you say a little about what were your hopes and plans for moving something in, in that role? I, it, was, it really was an incredible opportunity, and I stepped into it out of frustration. I loved the work that I was doing in Southeast. I loved being able to engage with communities sort of um, directly. But what I found was that even bringing community together, that they kept running up against the same lack of understanding inside government. And it wasn't about bad people. It wasn't about hostility. It was about fundamentally not even understanding what folks were asking for. And so the position itself, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. It was, at the time, it was the first initiative of its kind in the, in the country. Uh, it was citywide, so it was working with all 10,000 city employees and 26 departments. And the question, initial question was, how do you build the capacity of 10,000 employees to understand ideas like institutional racism? Right. And so uh, initially, uh, one of the things I'm proud of is that we took an organizing strategy. We said, we're going to think about this as an internal organizing strategy inside of an institution, right? Rather than trying to think how we could train 10,000 people, we actually decided we would use a train-to-trainers approach, really think about how we could develop the capacity of folks inside the institution who, who are already passionate about these issues. And so in every department, we train city employees to use a video series called Race to Power of Illusion, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a PBS series. Yeah, PBS yeah. series. And so we trained a cohort of city employees to provide that training to their peers. And it, we found it to be incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. So this is great. Any closing, you know, just word of wisdom you want to leave us with? Uh, I love this question. And I have uh, a quote from uh, Benjamin Franklin that I love, which is, I haven't failed. I've had 10,000 ideas that didn't work. Uh, and I think it's so important that when we're thinking about looking at equity that we create space for us to be wrong. It's in that space that I think we get to thinking about what's possible. And when we're talking about what's possible, I think that's what creates space for us to have hope. And I ultimately think in sort of creating that space of what's possible, it's really the space where we're able to, to achieve change.